We praise God that our children love to praise Him. Amen? All right. It's good to see each one again. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. We started a series last week on the sevenfold strategy of Satan. Today we want to look at how Satan makes sin look attractive. You know, why do you think there's so many, you know, lights in Las Vegas with, now I know some of you are going to say, there ain't no sin going on in Las Vegas. Uh, you ain't never been there. All right. But why do you think it's all the flashing neon signs? Satan tries his best and he does make sin to look attractive. And that's what kind of draws us in. It's kind of like the old bug lights. Do they still make the bug lights where they zap the bugs when they come in there. You know, the bugs just thought that purple light was the prettiest thing. And what happened when they got in there? They were zapped, okay? And listen, that is the way Satan does. He makes sin look attractive in order to lure us into his trap. Now, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, this is the, uh, you know, the only verse we'll look at in Genesis. But we got a number of other verses to look at this morning also. We all know the story when Eve was tempted of Satan, you know, with the forbidden fruit. And here in verse 6, it says, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was, look at this, pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband, and he did eat. Now, last week we began this series on the sevenfold strategy of Satan, you know, that he uses to, to lure believers, you know, into disobedience to God and lure them off into sin. Now, last week we saw the first way that he entices a child of God to come into his trap, to, to lure them into sin, is through deception. Satan has a way of taking what is good. Satan has a way of taking what God has created and deceiving us with it, and we fall right into his trap. You see, Satan was not up front with uh, Eve and his deception. In fact, Satan is never up front with his de uh, deception when he is luring us in. And here in the Garden of Eden, what we see is he was very crafty, and he was very slick about how he lured her in to for eating of the forbidden fruit. Now look here. The cunning enemy, and we're talking about Satan, he came and he cast doubt on the truth of God's word by asking a loaded question to Eve and a suggestive question. You remember his question to her was, did God really say that you couldn't eat from any tree? And that got her to thinking, well, what did God really say? You see, and that's the way he does this, folks. That's the way he deceives us. He throws these questions out there, and he gets our mind to wondering. And Eve said, well, well, really, what did God say? I mean, look at that tree. It's a thing of beauty. Look at that fruit. <laughs> Boy, that really looks good. That really looks attractive, you know. And, and he got her to think, well, well, maybe God didn't actually say you couldn't eat from every tree. Okay? And he got her to thinking, and he sucked her right into his trap. Look, he deceived Eve into simply taking a bite of something that was good and something that God had created. Now, as you remember, last week we saw that deception always, always involves making something appear what it is not. 
And trust me, Satan is the master of that. He is the master of that. You see, deception is making one believe they're getting something that they're not really getting at all. And as we saw last week, it's usually the most simple things in life that lure a person away from God. Now today, we want to see the very thing, uh, uh, this very thing, as Eve was deceived with one of the most simple things of life. So let's take a look here at Satan's strategy of making sin look attractive. Now, as we get started, I want to go back to uh, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, and I want you to see what Paul had to say to the church at Corinth. I think we got it up on the screen for you. Okay, there it comes. But I am afraid that at, now get what he says. He's talking to the church at Corinth. Remember we talked last week about the church at Corinth, how immature the people were there, how sinful the people were there. And and here in his second letter, Paul said this, but I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, okay, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and the purity of your devotion to Christ. Now, don't miss that. Satan was warning the church at Corinth. He was warning the people in the church, you know, that, look, because of your immaturity, because you're not able at this time in your life to recognize the craftiness of Satan, because you're not at this time in your life uh, uh, able to understand how Satan works and how Satan deceives. He says, I'm afraid. I'm afraid, I'm concerned about you, that your minds are going to be led astray because of his deceit, uh, deceit and that your, your devotion to Christ is going to fade away. How sad that Paul had to write those words to that, the, 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 the people of that church there. But you know what? I believe just as there were many people being led astray in the church at Corinth in that day when Paul wrote this, I believe our churches are full of people the same way. They're constantly being led astray uh, you know, from the simplicity and the purity of their devotion to Christ, all because you know, Satan makes uh, sin attractive and, and he deceives them into taking a bite of that forbidden fruit, so to speak. That's how he works, and we need to understand that. You know, Jesus said once of him, he said, when he speaks a lie, He speaks from his own resources because he, Satan, is a liar and the father of it. Listen, if Satan ever speaks to you, now you say, Satan don't ever speak to me. What do you think temptation is? Are you with me? When you're being tempted of something, that's Satan speaking to you. And Jesus said, listen, he is a liar and he's the father of it. So when Satan is speaking to us, whatever he's saying is a lie. That's what Jesus was saying there. He can't help but lie. Just like Jesus can't help but tell the truth, God can't help but tell the truth. Satan can't help but tell a lie. Why? Because Jesus said he's a liar and he is the father of lies. So let's take a look here at this and see how Satan is the master of making sin attractive. And as a result, causes people to partake of that God forbids. First of all, we see in verse 6a that Eve saw that this tree was good for food. You see what it says? And when the woman saw the tree was good for food. Now, we must understand that there was nothing wrong. Please understand that some people think that the, it, it, it was the fruit itself that was bad and caused sin to come into the world. 
Let me suggest to you this morning, there was nothing wrong with the fruit on that tree as far as fruit goes. You say, well, how do you know that? Because God created it. And what did God say after everything he created? Anybody remember? It is good. So there was nothing in and of itself wrong with the fruit on the tree. After all, again, everything God created was, was true. And I'm sure that this tree of knowledge, I, I believe it produced delicious fruit. And I believe it produced fruit that was a delight to the eyes. What was wrong in the eating of the fruit is that the tree was set off limits by God. That's what was wrong with the tree. God had said that one's off limits. Yes, the fruit looks good. Yes, the fruit probably is good. But God said, do not touch the fruit of that tree. So we know there was nothing wrong with that fruit in and of itself for a number of reasons. First of all, upon tasting it, you know, Eve said it was good. Okay, it was good. Well, you know, whatever this forbidden fruit was, it wasn't bitter. It didn't taste bad. You know, it, it was good. It was probably sweet and juicy. I'm sure when she bit into that fruit, it just juice just run all down her cheek. I believe she had to wipe it off. I would say with her sleeve, but she didn't have no clothes at this time, did she? But I, I believe that, you know, it was just running down. I believe it was a juicy uh, taste. I believe it was a great taste. After all, God had created it. In fact, it was good enough that even Adam took a bite. I'm sure as he seen those juices running down her face, he kind of looked at that and, you know, I, I think he said, you know, hey, maybe I misunderstood God here because that looks good. That looks good. You see, there's no evidence that once he took a bite, he began spitting it out because it tasted bad. No, I think he took a bite and he said, you know what, honey, this is pretty good. Maybe I didn't understand God correctly. Maybe I misunderstood what God had to say. Look, when God created the trees, they were all good. Every one of them. In fact, in, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 12, and, and, you know, we're told that, that the earth brought forth grass. It brought forth, you know, yielding a seed after its kind and the tree yielding fruit, and, whose seed was in and of itself and, 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 uh, after its kind. And what does it say? And God saw it was good. Okay? Every tree. The fruit was good. Everything God created was good, and I believe the fruit of this forbidden tree was also good itself. However, the problem was, again, it was forbidden. You see, there's things in this life that in and of themselves is, is, is good. But if God has put it off limits to us, folks, then it's off limits, whatever that might be. Now, the second thing we saw here with this is Eve saw the tree was pleasant to look at. Again, this is the way Satan operates. He makes what is forbidden to look pleasant to the eyes. That's what it says there in verse 6b. Eve messed up. Here's the problem. When she took that second look and saw the beauty in both the tree and the fruit, she took that second look. Now listen to me on this. There's no telling how many times she walked past that tree in the past and never even thought about picking a piece of that fruit. I believe she walked past it many, many times, and it never even crossed her mind to eat of that tree. However, on this particular day, something just caught her attention. 
Something just caught her attention, and she took that second look. On this particular day, the serpent came to her and said, hey, well, just, just stop right here. <laughs> stop right here, okay? Look at that tree. Well, I've seen that tree every day. I walk past this tree every day. I come down this trail every day. No, 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 no. Take a look at it. And she took that second look. Can I tell you something? It's that second look that will always get us in trouble. The second look. I'm going to give you some examples of that here in just a moment. But, you know, let's take David, for instance. You know, David, as Bathsheba was bathing up on the roof that day, David took a second look. If David hadn't took that second look, can I suggest to you this morning, nothing would have happened. But he took that second look. And, and, and again, rather than walking away, rather than walking away, it led him to seeing her be pleasant to the eyes. Are you getting my point here? He looked, instead of walking away, he looked again. And he took that second look, and she was pleasant to the eyes. She was pleasant to the eyes. And, and, and then, you know what we see, you know the story. It's the same thing that it says here with Eve. She, she saw the fruit was uh, pleasant to the eyes. It has always amazed me how God can bless someone in various ways and, and, and how the very thing that God blesses them with is the very thing that Satan uses to draw them away from God. Again, take, it, take it, uh, David for example here. You see, God had blessed David with the right of being the king. And he used that authority that God had blessed him with to call Bathsheba to his room and have adultery with him. Again, God blessed him as king. And Satan took that very blessing, that authority that he had to send a servant and say, go tell Bathsheba to come here. And he had adultery with her. And then to top it off, when he found out she was pregnant with his child, he used that very blessing from God, that authority that God had gave him to have her husband killed. You see how Satan works. The very things that God blesses you with is the very thing that he, Satan will destroy you with. And many times we don't even see that. We, we, we don't even see that. Satan has a way of taking fame and glory, you know, God has blessed people with and turning it around and people never look forward to what the outcome might be. You know, take for example, many sports stars, okay? Can, can, can I tell you that, that God has blessed many people with athletic ability and they, 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 you know, become successful, you know, as a result of the ability that God has gave them. And Satan takes and he, he lures them totally away from God with that that God has blessed them with in the first place. It's not long until with the fame and the money that they have, they think they can do anything. They think they can say anything. They think they can have anyone they want. It's not long with the fame and the money that they have, they get addicted to drugs. They get addicted to alcohol. They think it's okay to beat up women. And they get thrown in prison for all other things. The very thing that God blesses them with, that athletic ability, you know, Satan uses to draw them totally away from God. 
You see, Eve also saw this as an opportunity to gain something she didn't have. She didn't have wisdom at the time. The tree, it was a tree that to be desired to make one wise. Look, though Eve had everything she could ever need, she still desired what was forbidden for her to have. I mean, you read about the Garden of Eden. Everything that they needed, they had. But yet she still desired what she couldn't have. And folks, that's what sin is all about. It's us desiring what it is that we shouldn't have and that God doesn't want us to have. Look, many of us are the same way. We're never satisfied. We're always wanting more and more and more. And Satan takes those desires and he uses that desire for more and more and more to draw us away from God. And we must understand that God knows our needs and God has promised to provide our needs. In fact, Jesus said, if God so takes care of the birds of the field, surely he'll take care of his people. But our desires are still more and more and more. Next thing, where God promised to provide our needs, Satan focuses on tempting us with our wants and our desires. Look, it is human nature for mankind to want things that are pleasant to the eyes. That's human nature. Okay, and, and, and it, it, that is just how deception of Satan works. He takes the things we desire, but things that are forbidden by God, and he makes them pleasant to the eyes and too good for us to resist. Too good for us to resist. Fourth thing, Satan or Eve seen a, the good in what was forbidden, seeing it as something pleasant to look at, and seeing this as an opportunity for self-gain gave her the wisdom she thought she desired. But it led to a number of things. First of all, it led to her sharing her sin with those, the one closest to her. Now, I hate it when people tell me, and I've had people tell me this time and time again, you know, my sin, you know, only affects me. My sin only, the things that I'm doing, I'm not hurting anyone but myself. Can I tell you something? That's deception straight from Satan. You are hurting others with your sin. You are hurting those closest to you with your sin. Don't sit there and look me in the eye, and I've had people sit across my desk telling me this. Don't sit there and telling me your addiction to drugs ain't affecting nobody but yourself. It's affecting your kids. It's affecting your wife. It's affecting those closest to you. Don't tell me that your uh, problem with alcohol isn't hurting no one but yourself. It's, it's taking food off your kid's table. But Satan has a way of deceiving and making us believe that I'm, nobody's getting hurt but me. And folks, that is a lie. How do I know it's a lie? Because Jesus said Satan's a liar and the father of it. Therefore, that is a lie. Now, the next thing, it led to her opening her eyes to see the sin she was in. Now she was wise enough. You know how wise she was? She was now wise enough to recognize the sin. She was now wise enough to recognize sin. The third thing is it called both spiritual and physical death 
to come upon mankind. You see, when God told them, in the day that you eat from it, you shall surely die. He was speaking about both physical death and spiritual death. You know, in their created state, God created them initially to live forever, never to die physically. But sin brought physical death in the future for them. And it also, they died spiritually. And the way they died spiritually, folks, is because their sin would now separate them from God. How did it separate them from God? He kicked them out of the garden. Put some guards over the garden so they couldn't come back. And that's where they had fellowship with God. That's where they met God, in the garden. So sin got them cast out of the garden, out of fellowship with God. The next thing here is it brought a curse upon women of all time. Now, we got a number of you ladies in here who has bare children, okay? And probably not a one of you said, I didn't even feel no pain. Not unless they really drugged you up, okay? But, you know, you kind of felt a little bit of pain, didn't you, ladies? You know why you felt pain? Thank Eve. Or actually, thank Adam, I guess, whichever way you want to look at that. But here's the thing. You know, Jesus, I mean, God said, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe and painful labor. Through painful labor, you will give birth to children. Now, understand this. The curse would not be bearing children. Bearing children is a blessing from God. But what the curse would be is the pain that the woman would now experience as a result of childbirth. Now, the next thing is it brought a curse upon men of all time, okay? Look at here, in, in, in chapter 3, verse 19, In the sweat of thy face thou shalt eat bread, till thou return to the ground. In other words, you're going to sweat, dudes, in order to provide for your family until the day you die. Okay, and he went on, he said, For out of it was thou taken, talking about out of the ground, out of the dust, for the dust thou art, and the dust you shall return. Now look here. No longer would man be able to kick it back and then just enjoy the blessings of God. He would now have to provide for the needs of him and his family through the sweat of his brows. Look, no longer could I just lay in a hammock and, and have Debbie feed me grapes and rub my feet. Why do you think she don't do that? Because there's a curse on me. No, no, y'all are laughing. She would do that if it wasn't a curse. Don't you believe that? How many of you believe? Katie says no, she wouldn't do it. She's got children's church this morning, so I can say whatever I want here this morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, so let's move on there. I, I, I'll get myself in trouble on there. Now, let's go to the next thing. It caused separation from God. Here in Genesis 3, 23 and 24a, Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden to till the ground from which he was taken. Now look, at here's the sad part. So he drove out man. Where did he drive him out of? The Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden. And driving them out of the Garden of Eden, as I said a while ago, brought separation from God. Now, this was probably, I believe, the most costly of all. One reason is because there would be no more evening walks with God. The Bible tells us every evening they would walk with God and talk with God and have fellowship with God. 
But folks, sin done away with that. It's no more beautiful garden in which to live. They wouldn't have that, that beautiful garden nowhere now to live in. They would be cast out of that garden. Their needs would no longer be there. And the final thing is no more fellowship with their creator. Fellowship was broken. Fellowship was broken. Because they fell into the cunning trap of Satan he had set for them by making sin attractive, they would now experience separation from the very one who created them. And that separation, folks, has been passed down. It's continued and it's been passed down from generation to generation. And this is the reason that Jesus had to come on the cross and die for our sins. Who went out there and told her I was talking about her? I guess you told me, son. Okay, let's, let's continue, okay? Here's the thing. You know, this is why Jesus had to come on the cross and die, to bridge that gap between sinful man and holy God. You see, there's a gulf, if you please, between us and God. Man is on the sinful side. God is on the holy side. And there was no access to God. Until Jesus Christ and the cross came and it bridged that gap between sinful man and holy God. Yes, sin can be made to look attractive. But things that look good aren't always what they seem. It reminds me, and I think I've told you this story. I know I've told you this story a time or two. It's like the, the old boy who, who went to this opera, okay? And he watched this opera singer, and she, oh, she was the most beautiful thing. And that voice, he said, that voice is something else. He said, I could live with that voice alone forever. So after the, the, the opera, he went down and he met her, and after a short whirlwind romance, they got married. They got married. He said, that voice, I could live with it forever and ever. The night of their honeymoon. He got ready for bed. He got in bed. She was in the restroom getting ready for bed. And here she come out of the restroom. She sat down on the side of the bed. She popped out her glass eye and laid it on the table. She took off her wig and she laid it on the table. She took off her, her prosthetic leg and she laid it against the bed. And he's sitting there now with his mouth open. She takes out his, her false teeth. She puts them in a glass. She turns to him and smiles. He jumps up out of bed and says, Sing, woman, sing! Okay? You see, what we see is not always what we get. And that's the way Satan works, folks. He makes sin look attractive. He makes you think you're getting something that you're not getting. But Jesus Christ came to down the cross to bridge that gap between the sin in our life and holy God. What about you this morning? Have you walked across that bridge of the cross to experience the salvation of God? Or are you still lost in sin, totally separated from God, just like Adam and Eve were when they was cast out of the garden?
Jesus died for your sins. He died for the sin of all mankind. And if we are going to have fellowship with God that Adam and Eve lost, if we're going to have those evening walks with God that Adam and Eve lost, then, folks, it's going to only come by way of the cross. By way of the cross. So where are you at this morning? And child of God, remember that Paul told the church at Corinth, I'm, I'm afraid that you're going to get lured away. I'm afraid that you know, it's going to, this is going to affect your relationship with God. What about you, child of God? Is there something in your life that you know God is not pleased with you being a part of? Is there something in your life that God has forbidden of you, yet you're still partaking of it? And Satan has made it look so attractive that you think it's okay. That you think it's okay. Remember, when Eve took that bite, you know, she said, there isn't nothing wrong with this. This is good. Maybe we misunderstood God. Don't believe the lies of Satan, okay? Trust God. Let's pray.